0: So how do you create your dream business that creates generational wealth for you and your family and fulfills your true calling and purpose in life and do what you truly love and make the world a better place without feeling burnt out or sacrificing that special time with your family and friends? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. Hi, I'm Elena Ducas, and I'm a founder and CEO of BossyHeals.com. And every week I will bring you insights to answer that question. Hi, Jenny. It's such a pleasure to have you here today on the podcast. Super excited about today. I think you're just amazing. And I'm so excited for today's for listeners. I think we're going to talk really powerfully around your business, your story, and we're going to leave the audience with some powerful tips around organic growth and lead generation and how they can use blogging, social media, stories to drive more business um, for their coaching and expert business. But before we get there, Jenny, I'd love you to maybe tell us a little bit about your story, uh, who you are,
1: who you help, and just a little bit more about your business. Sure. Of course. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited about the conversation. I could talk about this probably all day long if you'd let me. Um, But I actually started out as a food blogger uh, back in 2009. So I like to say it was when the dinosaurs kind of roamed the internet. There was no Instagram. Pinterest was just starting. And of course, there was no TikTok. So it was back a while when you would think of blogging as people would kind of talk about what they ate and where they went and things of that nature. Um, I was also a full-time teacher Um, inner city school district. And I also had a newborn. So I was very busy, but needed something that was kind of for myself and quickly realized that I could make and replace my teaching salary as a food blogger by using the different strategies organically through social media, as well as creating content from my blog that would attract the right people with the problem that I could solve for them with the recipes that I was creating. So I was able to actually do that, retired from teaching at the age of 35. And then two years later, I sold my blog for six figures and started getting asked, how did you do it? You have done it. We want people that have done it. We want to work with someone that's done it. Show us how to do this. So I help female entrepreneurs really understand how to create a marketing plan for themselves where they can organically use social media in their blog or website in order to attract their ideal clients.
0: So powerful. So powerful. And I love that. I love that, actually. So
1: let's delve
0: straight into in there. I guess it's maybe maybe we start for people who don't have a blog at the moment, but they may mm-hmm. be thinking about it, or they enjoy writing and they just wondering, how does this even
1: work? Would that even work for them? Yes, so I think that there's actually the interesting thing now is what I have done since creating the Jenny Melrose side of my business, where I'm helping female entrepreneurs, is I kind of moved from still doing a blog, but it's actually a podcast. I take my podcast, and the podcast gets turned into a blog post, which is then keyword re- researched. Um, it made sure that SE is going up in Google. And deciding how you're going to create content, whether you're going to write the content or whether you're going to do a podcast. Um, I think that those are really the important pieces so that as you create your content, you can do keyword research. You can look to see what people are actually searching for so that you can make sure that you answer the question. And I think a lot of people hear keyword research and they hear SEO and they get freaked out by it and assume that it's this big, massive, oh, I have to know how to do SEO. And it's not that. It's just really thinking about what are people searching for in order to have their question answered that you can answer for them.
0: Yeah, and I think that's so powerful because lots of people make this mistake that we're all guilty of that. Answering the question that you think is the question, what you want to answer? But actually it's not what your ideal customer is wondering about. So yeah, I think it's so true. And uh, when I first was thinking of like SEO years ago, I thought of some kind of a underground, you know, internet guy typing these words. But yeah, so maybe if you can just tell us a little bit more, how can people, you know, who are completely new to this space think about keyword research? Like how can they demystify this?
1: Yes, so now I, that is not my expertise by any means, as far as SEO, like I would not try to get up on and say that that's what I'm an expert in, But it is something that I help my clients with at the basic level understanding because it does start there. So if you wanted to do a podcast episode or if you're going to create a blog, you want to think about what are people going to search for? And the best way to do that is something as simple as a Chrome extension called Uber Suggest, which is free. It's a Chrome extension that you can add on to your actual Chrome windows so that you go to Google and you search what you think you want to talk. Talk about. So, if you wanted to talk about Instagram marketing, you put that in there, and it'll give you search volume off to the side. And when you're looking at that search volume, it's within 30 days within the country that you live in. So you need to think about if your audience is US-based. Want to make sure that as US up there when you're looking at volume-wise. And then you want to find something that is actually one, searched for, and two, not too competitive. So if you see something that gets 150,000 searches in 30 days, that's something that it's going to be highly competitive to rank for. So, So Instagram marketing, Let's about instead, Instagram marketing using Instagram reels for your brand. So it's more of a long keyword that people could be searching for. And then look at that volume and see what the competitiveness is for it. And then create content that includes words and solves that problem. Um, It'll Google, it'll give you other questions that people are asking around that topic. So if you're a podcaster, that's where your questions will come from. And if you're not, you're a blogger and you're writing the content, you still want to make sure that you answer those questions that Google is showing you people are asking about that topic.
0: Yeah, I think it's so powerful. And I think the reason why it's important is because this is what's going to be on top of people's mind. So if you if they're someone, you know, if this is what they're Googling, because also it's thinking about, I always think, well, what is who? Who do we ask the most intimate questions? We're not going to ask our most intimate question to our husband, our friends. We're going to ask Google. in the quiet. This is the real questions that are real on top of your mind. So if you then create a piece of content, actually answering that question, you're going to be right in people's heads and you're solving exactly what they're asking. That means you really created this kind of like trust factor. And they think, oh, wow. Okay. She's my go-to. I'm going to come back to her again and again. I think that's super powerful.
1: Yes. No, absolutely. And then from there, once you get them there, it's about, of course, growing your email list offering an opt-in that is going to get them onto your list so that they don't look for you just once in Google and find the answer. Because let's be honest, people are busy. They're not going to necessarily remember the name of your website or who it was that helped them the first time. So if you can get them on your list by offering them something in exchange for their email address, that way you put out a new podcast, you put out a new blog post, you're continually delivering valuable them so that they were like you said have that like no trust factor on you and then when you offer a service or product they feel yep i'm ready i like her i trust her i'm ready to hand over money and work with her
0: yeah so how would this look so i guess for the with a blog you might put a blog on your own website and just make Mm -hmm. sure that you know, that our website is ranked to gain those keywords and for the podcast, how would you do this ranking for your podcast as well?
1: So I actually create a blog post that goes along with the podcast episode. So when you're putting it into your, your podcasting apps, podcast listeners are podcast listeners, right? Just because someone listens to a podcast or necessarily podcasted are or lies. Because of that by doing a blog post that goes along with the podcast episode, it actually allows them to then have that ability to come to you. So that for the, on that, within that blog post that goes with a podcast episode, I actually embed the audio so they can listen, which helps with ADA c- uh, compliance, of course. And then also I offer an opt-in throughout the content.
0: Yeah. And that's really powerful, isn't it? And this way, I guess you're capturing people that are blog readers. You know, this is the people that are Googling, that are reading. This is how they like to consume this information. And I think that's lovely, isn't it? Because you do. I mean, you also, of course, talk about Instagram and social media growth, but I guess that's going to be a different type of person. So maybe they're, inter- maybe they're the same, but I think what, what is interesting is it's probably different type of traffic, isn't it? It's a different type of person. Yes.
1: And what ends up happening with social media a lot of times is because I'm creating something consistently, like that's what you hear from everyone, right? Don't spread yourself too thin. Don't try to do everything. Otherwise you're going to be crappy at the things that you're trying to do because you're wearing yourself too thin. So have something that you're consistently creating. And personally, I want to get in front of Google. Google is the biggest search engine. We know that. It is the leader in pretty much anything that goes out. So I'm going to create either a blog post or I'm going to have a podcast episode that I'm creating that blog post for so they can find me that way, that content i then reuse i use it on instagram i use it on facebook i pin it i um, I can create reels that are based upon the content that i was talking about in that podcast episode so a lot of people will complain and say oh all these different platforms i got to rec- recreate the wheel no you don't just use the content that you're already creating for that blog post and rework it so that it works for the social media mediums that you want to use and It's key that when you're looking at social media, what platforms are you going to use? Where are your people? You have to know that. I'm personally not going to go onto LinkedIn because I primarily work with bloggers. And my bloggers are not sitting on LinkedIn looking for content. They're sitting on Instagram. They're sitting on Facebook. These are the platforms they're using. I know that. I also know with introduction of TikTok and Reels, my people are more likely to do it from Reels and they're more likely to take action from Reels than they are from TikTok because my audience is primarily a lot of moms that are busy and have kids and they go to TikTok to mindlessly scroll. They are not on TikTok to find the information that's going to help them move their business forward. But on Instagram, they will do that. Yeah, I think that's so powerful.
0: What you just said is really powerful really really powerful um it's thinking about how your client utilizes it i agree uh i agree it's like tiktok is gonna be no, it's like end of the day you kind of you just randomly watch something that your kids were watching and you're like what are those kids up to and it's certainly not you're never gonna take a real buying decision from it not right. as directly as you would on instagram isn't it Where in instagram you're like really learning stuff yeah um This is really powerful. And I guess um, I think what you've just mentioned, yeah, what you've just mentioned is really important. I think, indeed, some people who will be listening to it, they'll be like, oh, blog, another thing to do on my list. And I'm already burnt out and I'm already stretched. But I think what you've just outlined, and I think I really want to highlight that, actually, it just depends where you start. So it sounds like your process is you start by recording your podcast. And how do you do that? Do you plan it out? Do you have like, write this, you know, maybe you do a keyword search we've discussed, and then you kind of plan it out on paper, then you record it. And then what do you do next? Do you kind of g- get someone to put it, turn it in the blog or do you have a process of how you would turn this?
1: Yes. I have someone on my team that takes the, op- use the questions that work keyword research prior to the interview. I- to and have images that go, um, and share it out on social media and email it to my list to make sure that they are in the know, they're hearing the latest topics and I'm in their forefront so that when I have a new product or service that goes along with some of the podcast episodes, they're ready for it. They know who I am. They've been listening to me. I'm in their ear and that is one of the, I think, most powerful things about a podcast is that it speeds up the buying process because people trust you because they hear your voice. They hear how passionate you are about certain topics. And it also is kind of an inside, um, behind the scenes of how you're going to articulate yourself and teach. If you, especially if you're someone that is a coach, they want to know, okay, are you going to be able to systematically take them and teach them something? Or are you going to talk in circles and they're going to have to pick out the information? That to me is really important. So I have found that with the podcast, people are just, it speeds up the process so much.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's so powerful, isn't it? Because I think it's even more powerful than... It's interesting, isn't it? I was talking to someone about YouTube versus podcast. I guess on Mm -hmm. YouTube, you I guess the advantage of that is very searchable. It's like a search engine. So people will likely to find you, which is good. And you have video you can talk. So it's also powerful. But I guess... What you do have with a podcast, although it's less searchable, which is a big downside of it, so people might not necessarily it's it's more di- it's more difficult to use podcast as a lead generation tool but it's certainly a lot more better to nurture your current audience because it's so intimate, isn't it? The undistracted people, you know, when I listen to podcasts, I'm just with that host, like, and probably in my most intimate moments, like I'm by the driving or I'm maybe cleaning the house, but I'm not distracted by anything else. Like you have my, all my, all of my attention. I'm not scrolling whether right. with other things like YouTube, I'm very likely to like move on to a new video, get distracted by an ad, where here you have someone's undivided attention. So from that perspective, it's powerful. And I think maybe the what you're doing with a blog is in a way kind of resolves the issue with podcast because effectively your
1: blog becomes a lead generation tool for your podcast itself, isn't it? Yes. Absolutely. And there are ways to get lead generation with your podcast. Um, I actually push them to Instagram and I try to have a conversation in my DMs. Every episode of my podcast, I will start out with an intro telling them, hey, if you want to grab my latest Instagram engagement guide, send me a DM on Instagram at Jenny underscore Melrose. And I will send it directly to you because links are live in the DMs. And by getting into their DMs, by them sending you a DM." It actually affects the algorithm positively because now what happens is Instagram sees the two of you as friends because you're having an intimate conversation, via direct message. So now your content comes up more in the feed, your the, your story bubble pops to the front. It's just more of an opportunity to continue to get in front of that audience.
0: Yeah, I think that's super powerful, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, I totally agree. And then it's interesting what you said earlier that you then think about you also create reels, maybe a link to your episode or link to your blog, and then you convert into reels. And of course, reels is like super fast, It's super happening right now on Instagram, right? Best way to get uh, reach and engagement for for your audience. So is that what you do? Then you convert, okay, what can I pick kind of key bullet points to do something fun with reels? What's your strategy for reels? Because I know I get a lot of questions, people are wondering, it's one area that everyone's focused on right now.
1: Yes, so Instagram Reels are definitely a way to to get in front of a new audience. Whereas Stories, you're just trying to stay in front of top of mind to the people that are already following you. And they're the daytime drama, right? Of your everyday life for Stories. With Reels, you wanna be able to take what you're noticing as far as trending. And it's easy to find that. You just go to Reels on your Instagram app and you will notice there are certain things that are continually being done audio that is being used. And the way in which I look at it is I look at the different audio and the kind of trending things that I'm noticing people doing. And I try to figure out a way that I can use the content that I already have in that reel. So for example, um, there's a reel that was trending probably a couple of weeks ago where it was um, just s- basic audio. Someone walks by and slaps at words that are like on a counter and there's like giggling that happens as part of the audio. Well, a lot of people were doing that for like diet and it was in, I was seeing it a ton with in health and nutritionist, things of that nature about the different things that you shouldn't should and should be eating. So I actually... Twisted it and used it as something that would work for my audience with getting frustrated with their clients not continuing to get back into their inbox or asking them to continually um, not have boundaries with their time. So it's using those trends and making it viable for the content that you create the topics. Cause it's important that you don't do a trend just to do a trend because you'll end up attracting people that are not your ideal people. And it's only going to hurt your engagement in that case.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important, isn't it? People think, oh, great. I've got great reach or even great follows. People are following me. But then it's now your people. So first of all, they're never going to buy from you. So it's all yeah. wasted energy. And you're right. Engagement is going to go down because they ultimately are not going to be interacting, It's not going to be relevant for you. They're going to unfollow, whatever, whatever, whatever. And it's just hurt you in the long run, isn't it? Yes. Um, so that's a really powerful strategy, isn't it? To think about what's trending right now. How can you relate to your audience? Love that. And on a separate note, I know a lot of my my clients and myself, one of the kind of have this is like a love-hate relationship with social media, isn't it? You kind Mm -hmm. of use it for business, but then you find yourself five minutes later in some you know dark hole looking at
1: dogs and cats. And you're like, where did the five hours just went? Right. Yes, no, there's definitely going to be boundaries placed on it. Um, I also personally I take breaks. I know that during the, my busy season when the holidays are combined because Q4 is always so busy for me that It's too much. And I need to just take a break and be okay with it. There's content there for people to have. I still am in my DMs. I get a ping saying that there's a notification there for a DM. I'm I'm not necessarily putting out consistent content there because my consistent content comes from my blog and my podcast. That's the way that I continue to get in front of new people. Um, And then when I come back to Instagram, it's like I was never gone. I just act like I didn't just take a month and a half off from Instagram.
0: (laughs) This is great, isn't it? Uh, This is great. But do you have certain like tools or like discipline tools for yourself? Or I guess for you, you just in this routine, are you, do you have like a run routine? Do you have like a day? Because I quite like, asking people about their productivity and I know you are mom as well you have two mm-hmm. children right so that yes, becomes a really important thing of balance and how do you make most use of your time when you don't feel like you wasted your day and yeah. I know some people that do batch their content that maybe do a day in a month when they record all their podcasts so what is your process of managing your productivity?
1: My days are limited in the amount of time that I have to work. And I had to learn to set boundaries, not only for my family, for my girls feeling like I wasn't constantly working and for my husband feeling like I was ignoring him, but also for my own mental health. I needed to make sure that I took time in the mornings to work out. And once the girls were out of the house, so I only work 10 to two. and I still say it, like, I feel guilty about that, but it works for me and my business and my family. Um, So working 10 to two, and then also looking at my days and kind of figuring out what days are podcast days, what days are social media days. I have, I like to kind of feel like I know what day, like Wednesdays are normally my podcast days. Um, I run masterminds on Thursdays. I like to have my clients on Mondays and Fridays. So because of that, they're kind of already batched out in the way in which the content is happening. And I'm not switching from doing a podcast interview to then working one-on-one to then trying to do an Instagram reel in order to stay consistent.
0: Yeah. I think that's powerful. So powerful. I totally agree, and I do the same actually on the days when it doesn't work. And on the days where there's like task switching, it's just the days where, first of all, you, you're extremely tired. I find that I get headaches because imagine you're going from intense podcasts to client meetings to like my group coaching call for something else, and it's it's a lot. And yeah, you definitely then don't have energy to give to your children, be present at home, and it's too much. Um, yeah. so yeah, I definitely love this idea of batching and then thinking this might day and I'm in the zone for like interacting with my clients I'm in the zone it's my day of recording and actually it's beautiful I think what you're doing is 10 to 2 I mean that's amazing I mean I, I certainly do the same thing I try to work before my kids come home but yeah um, after the kids are back it's really play time and general chaos
1: (laughs) yes that's when i i always say that's when i become an uber because i run from one activity to the next until like eight o'clock at night we're going from dance to volleyball back to dance it's just back and forth back and forth so yes
0: yeah no that's wonderful and let's talk a little bit about stories and how can people think about stories strategically how how to plan them out and use them for your business
1: Yes. So stories are really an opportunity to have the followers that are already following you get a behind the scenes, feel like it's a little bit more intimate. I think the first thing that has to be determined when you go to stories is you need to determine where's my line. Where do I not feel comfortable? What are the things that I don't feel comfortable talking about? For some people, that's their kids. For some people, that's their husband. Mine is my husband. It's not really something that our relationship doesn't need to be all over social media. It's not something I'm comfortable sharing. Um, so, And then when it comes to stories, really thinking about a story as a story. A lot of people, when they first came out, would do um, what more looked like scrapbooking. They would put like, here's my morning. And this is what I'm doing in the morning. And this is what's going on in the afternoon. And this is what's going on in the evening. Thing. um and it didn't pull people in so really thinking about how can you take a simple picture and build upon it and tell a story with it so what for example one of the stories that I had done that did really well for me was I showed my workout setup the way that I had my mat, my weights whatever else and the first picture had one sentence on it and it said something along the lines of like, getting started this morning with a quick workout. Then I continued same picture with that same first sentence and added a second sentence onto it, stating that I've always kind of gone up and down with my weight, but also I've noticed that it helps with my mental health. Then a third slide. So I'm walking them through a purpose behind Why am I talking about my workout? Why is that important to my audience? So I'm not just randomly putting it out there. I'm walking them through this idea that you have to make sure that you're taking care of you first as part of being able to focus on your business and be that great female entrepreneur that you want to be. Um, so it leads to that. I also always make sure that if I have a story that I'm doing, I'm using a poll. I'm getting them to raise their hand and give me the opportunity to get into their DMS because once someone hits on that poll, I can see who has picked what or who has agreed or, or wanted something. And then from there, I go right out into their DMS and say, you know, ask more questions about the topic that they hit on, or I'll send them a link that is live because they raised their hand and said, yes, I want that opt-in. I want that guide that's going to help me improve my business.
0: Yeah. I think that's so powerful. So powerful. Um, Yeah. It's actually, I think polls and because it's, it is, it's very awkward. I think people find it's really awkward to just go completely cold into people's DMS and start. I mean, I think there's a way to do this. Yes. Um. you know maybe you just being kind of friendly and engaging get to know them that's totally cool but actually start pitching anything it's just you know it's just horrible isn't it yes. but actually this way they're raising their hand so I think what you've just said like you've used it for them for the exercise but I guess people need to be thinking well if at the end of this process like you want people to raise their hand maybe self-identify themselves as your ideal client yes. that's one thing I guess that could be one strategy so you know right, this is my ideal clients, and I want to maybe follow them a bit closer, I might want to engage them a bit further, so that could be one strategy. Second strategy, maybe you want to really share them your freebie, and get them on your email list, and then indeed, so it's thinking about what's my end result, right, is this how you would do that, and then plan out, what can I showcase out of my day to kind of link to that, so it naturally leads into that moment when I can ask for a poll, and it's, you know, it makes sense, there's like a storyline
1: to it. Yes, Yes, Um, that's absolutely right. And uh, with that specific example that it gave about the workout, it led to someone that was on the podcast that was talking about self-care and the importance of it. So the poll actually said, have you listened to the latest episode? Heck yes. And haven't yet. Um, And then anyone that said, haven't yet, I sent them the link. Anyone that said, heck yes, I got in and said, thank you so much. I would actually love it if you could leave a rating or review on my podcast, because we know how hard that is as podcasters. It's so difficult to get rating and reviews. And, And anytime. They have no problem with you asking them, um, especially when they've already answered something and said, yes, I listened to it. I love it. Absolutely. That's where most of the majority of my readings and reviews have come from
0: that's a beautiful way to do it but I guess yeah I mean rating and reviews everyone who's listening to this right now you know pause it leave rating and review right now it really does matter Um, you know what? it's funny before I had my own podcast and I was just listening I was like loving some podcasts like they were life-changing for me but I would never leave a review because I thought well no one cares no it's probably one of those book reviews that doesn't really matter but only yeah. when you realize it's actually how the ranking is done how in front of how many people your podcast will show. And it matters so much um, that actually even a few words, if you found something meaningful or valuable, please take your time and leave review for your people uh, and for the podcast that you
1: listen to, because it truly does matter so, so much. Yes, it absolutely does. It helps get great guests because I honestly, at this point, I've been podcasting for over five years. I'm not going on to a podcast that has one review. That's just not there. They, once they get up there and they get some more readings and reviews. Sure. Um, but so it allows me to kind of have an idea of, is this a podcast that I'm going to go on if they were to ask me to come on?
0: yeah so powerful and let's uh, go back to the stories because i think people are going to find it really helpful because i think people really struggle sometimes what to think or they maybe document in their life but they're kind of struggling how to use it for your business so you've just given them really two powerful strategies how to use it for their business which is so insightful um is there any other ways how you would think about maybe like when it comes to launches and you have a launch happening right away how would you use your content your podcast your story really gearing up to that launch maybe take us through your process for that
1: yeah so when it comes to a launch really trying to have depending upon what your launch looks like if you have anything live like a webinar or anything like that that's a perfect way to be able to get your instagram audience to that webinar um so being able to talk about this what we're going to be learning about and again using a poll and saying hey did you save your seat yes and having heck yes and not yet love to to do it so that you can send them a link to get signed up for it. Um, And then just continuing, like uh, you can have the countdown timer on there. There's also a way to do like an event so that if cart is closing, we all know people love to wait until cart is closing to actually purchase. So having that in front of them to remind them, oh, cart's getting ready to close. If you haven't grabbed yours yet, grab it. Um, Just kind of making it not where you do the launch, but it benefits it. It just gets it in their minds again and gets it in front of them. I think that that's a piece that we have to remember. We know that people don't take action unless they see something. I think the research says like five to seven times. And I think that that research was probably from 10 years ago. So, um, now it's totally a different story. Probably it's more like 10 to 15 times. You have to get in front of them because they're being bombarded with so much information because of social media, because of emails coming in. We all saw that Black Friday, the way that the emails came through from everywhere. There were people that popped into my inbox Someone was like, who in the world are you? I have no idea who you are. Um, so just finding, you know, continually to finding a way to get in front of them and being in the forefront of their mind when they're thinking of who should I go to for this specific problem I'm having.
0: Yeah, no, that's wonderful, isn't it? Um, And do you have any strategies how to
1: improve story views? So improving story views, I think, really comes down to the way in which you put together the story. Are you scrapbooking or are you actually telling a story? Because if you're scrapbooking, people are going to probably get bored and not stick all the way through your stories. If you're actually telling a story... People want to hear the end. They want to see what's going to happen. Um, the ones that have done the best for me are always the stories that have multiple slides, whether they're a picture or a video, and they end with a poll with a call to action of something to get more information from my people, so I can then talk to them.
0: Yeah. Super powerful. And of course the algorithm also notices that people stay till the end. So they're going to keep showing this stories. And so it works so powerfully. And do you plan your stories in advance? Like, do you have a process maybe one day a week you plan your stories? Like, How strategic are you on that?
1: Not with stories. Stories for me are more by fly by the seat of my pants because I want it to be I want it to be important to what's going on that day, to how I'm feeling, to what comes to mind, to what podcast is out, or what has bothered me about something. Um, Those are honestly the ones that do the best, I feel like, because it's just what's really happening, real life right now, in the moment, this is what I'm going to share. And again, it doesn't have to, be. it's normally for me, it'll be anywhere from five to seven slides probably. So that gives me 24 hours of them having five to seven slides to be able to go through and to have that interaction and for more people to be able to see.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Five to seven. Yeah. And this is, this, do you think is ideal number? Because that's not a question, you know, people are asking is actually, um, What is the ideal number of stories? Because you want to put a million down there. People are like, oh, you know, they never get through it. But what's the kind of ideal number in your mind?
1: For me, I don't think it's necessarily a number. I think it's the value of the content. Are you actually telling that story that is drawing them in, that they're wanting to watch and not swipe through and skip over and bounce out of? Because like you said before, the algorithm is going to show it to more people, the more people that go actually go all the way through and then take action towards the end. So it's really about the value of the content compared to the number that is there.
0: Amazing, amazing, amazing. And do you do anything, we haven't touched about Facebook, what do you do for Facebook?
1: Hmm. Facebook isn't one of my favorites. Um, you got to remember I've been around since 2009 when Facebook was just wonderful and you could post something and you would actually get a ton of people that saw it. It has become very saturated, very, um, ad heavy. So when it comes to the organic side, personally, it's not something that I focus on. I put my time into Instagram because I know I'm going to be able to see my return on investment there. Um, as far as my time, And be able to actually have conversations with people, whereas Facebook for my audience, they just are not utilizing it that way. So I think, again, it goes back to your audience looking and seeing um, where your people are, how they are interacting content, where they're looking for that type of content.
0: Amazing, amazing. And maybe just to close off and why don't you tell our audience in terms of where can they find you? I think that's going to be important. And also, what else have you got going on? Do you have any launches? What's exciting that's happening in your business right now that might be super relevant and interesting for people?
1: Of course. Um, best place, honestly, to reach me is Instagram. It's at Jenny underscore Melrose. Uh, you can send me a DM. Any questions, please feel free to reach out to me there. It's the fastest place to get in touch with me. Uh, and, and then of course, the podcast is where you're going to find a m- ton of content and value. There's over 260 episodes at this time of this recording. Um, so there's a lot of content to be able to really help you and move forward with. Um, and then as far as Uh, Launches products. I have my first book came out. It's called influencer entrepreneurs. Um, and it is the four-step framework for building your audience, growing your business and making money online. And that is on Amazon as well as you can find it at JennyMelrose.com.
0: Congratulations on that, by the way, that's a really big milestone. I mean, it's huge. So uh, that's just amazing so big congratulations on your book and everyone go and get the book get in touch with jenny i think you're amazing your podcast is amazing and your blog is amazing and uh, i think people will get a lot of value out of it
1: excellent thank you so much elena for having me on i appreciate it
0: thank you